Miss Satan, we are recording. So, um, Parsha, we have a double header Parsha, Achimos and Kedoshim. We're doing this learning the Elodishmas, Rivka, Bas, Eliezer, Leib. And also for a foolish Leib and for the people who we have over here. Um, yeah. We have, okay. Um, after our last class, I went back and did a little bit more research on the double partial situation because it's um, it's something. I don't know what the word is, but it's yeah, it's like it's a something thing. So I went and I looked into it a little bit more, and I heard I saw a couple of very interesting things. First of all, we know that the Jewish calendar runs on how many year cycle? Anybody? Nineteen. Nineteen. The Jewish the Jewish the Jewish calendar is actually a nineteen year cycle. In the 19-year cycle, Acharimos and Kedoshim are together 12 times. 12 times so in that cycle. More than separate. More than separate, exactly. In the 19-year cycle, they're together 12 times. So the question is, what's going on with the double parshas? Now, the, in, in the, originally, in the, in the times of the Gemara, there was a conversation how often we will finish the Torah. Now, we know today it's like, oh, every year you finish the Torah. But it was actually a, a conversation and the first conversation was that we're going to finish the Torah over three years, which means if Torah would have been finished, you would have been learning a third of each Parsha each, each week, okay? Once it was established that we were going to have the Torah be finished every year, there were certain markers that were put into the calendar that we need to sort of work with those. One of those, we know we finished on Simchas Torah, we finished learning on Simchas Torah. We also know that the Shabbos before Rosh Hashanah, it, sorry, back up a second. In the Chumash, twice we have what's called the Tochacha. We have the rebuke. If you don't listen to Hashem, then lots of really terrible things. And if you're a student of Jewish history, we've had them all. Um, a lot of terrible things are going to happen to us. So those two are markers. They, one is always read before Rosh Hashanah, never the Shabbos right before Rosh Hashanah, but there's always like a buffer Shabbos. And the other time, the first Tochacha that we have in the Chumash is in Parshas B'chukosai, and we read it the sh- before Shavuos. Never the Shabbos before Shavuos. There's always a buffer. So the buffer Parsha, which is Parshas Devarim, is always going to be read. Either if Shavuos is on Shabbos, it will be that Shabbos, or it will be the Shabbos before, that means B'chukosai, and then you're going to have Devarim, and then you're going to have Shavuos. So this year, for example, where Shavuos is Thursday night, we're going to have B'chukosai, and then we're going to have Devarim, and then we're going to have Shavuos. Um, the reason we have that is because both Shavuos and Rosh Hashanah are considered, are considered starts of the year. Shavuos is when we get the Torah, Rosh Hashanah is when the New Year starts, and there's a, a, a in the Gemara it talks about that the... Um, uh, I forgot the something that the year and its curses should end and the new year and its blessings should begin. And since Shavuos and, and Rosh Hashanah are both starts to the year, so we have that going on twice in our cycle. Um, there isn't a lot of time because of the way the Chag works out very often by Yikra has to end up being having a lot of double partials. Is it because of the, the also because of the, the leap, year? leap year? So in a leap year, you have more weeks and then you would spread it out more. Yeah. But here we don't have leap years, so we have to combine them. So we have to combine them. And also it works out, it's not only the leap year. For example, last year, yeah. Chag finished on Shabbos. Mm-hmm. So that means that we, were, we lost a Torah portion Shabbos. We've had this conversation and Amber's very disturbed by it. I know, but I'm just saying. So this, depending on the year, all of those are factors in one. So that's why now we have to get to Devarim before Shavuos, which is not in such a long time. And so that's why we're going to end up having a lot of double parshas. We're now finishing, we just finished the week of Tiferes, so it's another four weeks. Okay? Thursday night and Friday for us. Okay, so here we are. We have a double parsha, Achimos and Kedoshim. Okay? Now, um, we always like to start with a roundup, and so what we're going to do is we're going to sort of tag team the roundup. Pars- has, have people been keeping up with Chomish a little bit? A little bit. A little bit. Okay. So ah, the first Parsha, okay, I want to just say one thing. It's like there's one of these like, you know, si- Jewish saying situation things. I don't know exactly. Sigizund? What's Achrimos? Okay, so Achrimos means after the death. 
So, and Kedosha means holy. So if you, and the next Torah portion afterwards is Emar. So sometimes they're like, Achremos Kedoshim Emar, like after somebody passes away, we say they're so holy, we say they're so wonderful, right? So like, but that's not exactly what we're talking about. There's like a, it's like a kind of play on the part. Just there, I, I just shared it with you. Okay, so Achremos is going to open up and it talks about Hashem speaks to Moshe after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they came close to Hashem and they died. Okay, um, and... We didn't talk about this. This was in Parsha Shemini, and I want to touch on this for a second, and then we're gonna, then we're gonna move forward. Um, we know that the day that the that the the Mishka, the Tabernacle, was actually erected, and Aaron and his sons start to do the Avoda. His two oldest sons, Nadav and Avihu, what ends up happening? Chana, they bring a. They bring a. Yeah. But it wasn't. Right. So they they bring a Katoris offering. And, 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 and they die. And they die. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because when there's lots of conversation and the whole, what did they do and was it a sin and was it not a sin? And one of the things that is very important to remember is that Moshe says to Aaron, after they pass away, I'm paraphrasing the conversation, but it's in the Pesukim, um, I knew something was going to happen today. I thought it was going to be me or you. Wow. And clearly, both of them are, are holier than both of us. Okay, so in, in the Gemara and in the, in, in the Mepharshim, they want to figure out what did, the, what did the sons of Aaron do wrong and what was their sin? Was it that they were not married? What was it they, they were intoxicated? All these different kinds of things. Hasidus says they had one massive problem. They had Ratzo without Shuv. They wanted to get close to Hashem without mm-hmm. being grounded. Okay, and when you want ratzo without shov, dying is not a punishment. They wanted to get close to Hashem, and that's what they got. They got the ultimate closeness with Hashem. And Moshe says to Aaron, "Wow, they really—they were more—they were holier than both of us." Okay, if you think Aaron Cohen, Moshe Rabbeinu, and another man of you on some level were holier than both of them, that means that what was going on over there, and sort of tagging to the Sikha that you guys learned today, what can we get from them is to yearn, to want to get close. But Hashem says the, the running, the, the, the running into, to be consumed by the love of Hashem without the grounding it of reality, that's not the Avaidah for most of us. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're not supposed to be so consumed by love of Hashem and, and passion for godliness that we're just like, you know, we're lovesick for Hashem and we, we, we just die. Like, you're missing the point. Hashem's like, dear Abitachtonim, I want to have a world down here. Can we, if you fly away, if you get consumed by Hashem, you miss the point. Okay? So now we're starting off this Parsha and we're going to start talking men. And it's introduced exactly with that. That we're talking about Achremos Shnei Bnei Aaron. We're talking about after the death of the sons of Aaron. And, and the question that we want to say is, how do we move forward? How do we somehow take some of that inspiration without really going as far as they went? Clearly what they did for them was sublime. That was what they were looking for. But for most of us, it's not happening that way. Um, just an interesting thing that I saw was that, you know, when you, you know, we should never know, but when somebody passes away in Ashkenazi custom, when you, when, uh, when a family gets up from Shiva, when somebody gets up from Shiva, what they do in most Ashkenazi customs is, I don't know how it works by Spartan, is that they go and they take a walk. They take a walk around the block and then they come back. And, and one of the things that we're reminding the people what do you, when you take a walk, what do you do? Right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot. That you've suffered a tragic loss, you've tra- suffered something incredible, and yet, and yet, right foot, left foot. How do we go forward? How do we continue with our lives? How do we take inspiration? All those things that are going on. So now we're going to say, Achremos Shnei Bnei Aaron. It's after the death of the two sons of Aaron. Now what do we do? And the first thing that the Torah is going to give us in the, our Parsha here is going to give us all the laws of Yom Kippur. Okay, so if you want to know what's the reading for Yom Kippur, this is what we read 
in Shul on Yom Kippur. It talks about the service of the Kohen Gadol, the going to the mikvah and the and bringing ketores and and doing this it and goes through the whole the process. whole it's called the avayda the yeah. whole avayda the whole service of the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur is the beginning two aliyahs of this parsha of just of Achrei, not the combined. In the combined, it's about a day and a half's worth of, of, uh, of, of reading. And talks about all the service and what they do. And the, he brings this he brings this off. Oh my gosh, I lost my English. He brings this offering and he brings this sacrifice. I was like, I made some kind of weird mission of those words, but okay. Um, and the Ketoris and all the stuff that's going on. And that's, gonna, that's the beginning of the whole Parsha. Now, the next thing, um, and it continues, and there's a lot of stuff, and we're not going to actually go into the whole Seder of the Avaida, go into the whole Avaida of Yom Kippur. I'm just saying, and then the end, but I'm just saying that's the beginning. Most of Achrei is going to be the service of Yom Kippur. And then we have a few, um, uh, we have about not eating blood over here. We're at uh, chapter 17, verse 2, uh, sorry, 4 and 5 and 6. Okay, the end of this, of the end of this parsha of Achrei, not the double parsha, we end up having, this is also what we read on Yom Kippur, um, in chapter 18, it talks about not behaving like the people in Egypt or Canaan behave, um, and it goes into what's called a list of Arayas, the people that you may not have sexual relations with. We have in Achrei, we have the, a whole list of who you're not allowed to sleep with. Okay, and parenthetically on Yom Kippur we also read that. But Mincha of Yom Kippur we read that that section of the Chodesh. Okay, now um, the we're now now if you go into the we're switching over to the next parsha, Parsha's Kedoshim, Parsha's Kedoshim, and this is where I need everybody's input. Parsha's Kedoshim has the most mitzvahs of any parsha. Okay, it has the most mitzvahs of any parsha. So what we're going to do is I'm going to ask everybody. To take a minute or two, look through Kedoshim. It goes from chapter 19 uh, till chapter 20, verse 27. Okay? Find the mitzvah. Everybody take, take a minute or two. We're going to do a quick round table. Find a mitzvah. Something that was interesting. It's actually all chapter 19 and 20. Uh, find a mitzvah that's interesting, weird, disturbing. Um, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's here. Okay, we're going to take a minute or so and then we're going to do a roundup and everybody's going to give us a mitzvah and that way we'll get some kind of sampling of what's going on in the Parsha. Okay? Start. Okay, Lila, give us a mitzvah. Give us chapter and verse so we can follow along with you. Um, 19, um, 16. Wait, 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 wait. we got to find it. 19, 16. Okay. Go. You shall not be a gossip monger among your I, uh, can I, you can do. You you want to stop there? You could. No, you could. It's it's interest, It's interesting that it's in the same pasuk, right? Yeah. Go. Don't be a gossip monger, which is a great word, yeah. right? Um, and you shall not stand aside while your fellow's blood is shed. Right. Okay. So two things I want to say. What's interesting, Rashi says, what is this word, Rachil, and he he tags it to a merchant, a peddler. Was called. It's called a Rachil. Somebody goes from house to house and sort of. You know, is sharing is sharing the news. So this is first of all is our prohibition against Lashon Hara. One of our prohibitions against Lashon Hara, and the context of this is specifically the movement part of it. Rachil, don't go like a Rachil. Don't go. You know, oh look what they have in their house. Look what they have there. Da 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 da. And I wonder what are the ramifications when everybody's information is coming into your phone, and how do you, you know, uh, uh, not not be. Uh, a gossip monger. I love that word, by the way. Thank you, Lila. And also, lo echa, not to stand on the blood of your brother. Um, Rashi says something very, very, very interesting. Okay, what does Rashi say? Do you have Rashi over there? Yeah. Okay. Um, he said, "Well, it might be hard to read because it's all mixed up with all the, com- all the commentaries." Well, Ra- yeah. 16, but here it says that Jambam who says that. What? If you gossip, you cause bloodshed. Oh, okay. So that's only the beginning and the end. But also, Rashi... It's forbidden to tell someone what others have said or done behind his back. If there is even the slightest possibility that it may cause ill will. That, so that's... No, I want, I want specifically... I want specifically not to stand on your brother's bread. Your brother's uh, blood. Uh, okay. Oh, wait, yeah, yeah. Wait. Aside what your brother's blood is shed. Okay. 
I have um, to save someone. Try to save although, someone. Although, what is the requirement in the ozone light? So, in other words, you should not be overly protective of ozone safety. Okay, so Rashi said. Rashi says very specific. It's very interesting how Rashi ra, ra, bleh, how Rashi says it. Rashi says lirot b'mitato to see somebody dying, and you can save him. you can save him, and he gives an example. Kigon, for example, he's drowning in the river, or a wild animal or robbers are attacking him. Now Rashi is clearly taking a slightly different bend than what you saw in that medrash. Your, your commentary over there said you don't have to like put yourself into super danger. Rashi is clearly saying if you see it, yeah. if you see something, say something, right? If you see it, then you, you have to do something about it. I want to say three, two things for sure, maybe a third if I remember. First of all, interesting random fact. In Israel, there is a law on the books based on this Pasuk, not to stand on the blood of your, of your brother, that if you are a medical professional, you are not allowed to drive by an accident without stopping to see if your help is needed. It is an actual law in Israel that you're not allowed to do that. Um, I don't know that anybody gets prosecuted and they stop cars and say, excuse me, is there a doctor in this car that didn't stop? Like, I'm not saying that, but it's that, that understanding that our, our, our liability or our responsibility, not liability, because liability is going to stop people from helping, um, but our responsibility is quite, um, it's, it's quite large. One of the things that it talks about in Hasidus, where it talks about where Rashi says that you see somebody, you see you, that you see somebody dying, and you could help them. And Hasidus it talks about a lot how the Baal Shem spoke a lot about hashgacha pratis. Have you ever gone walking with somebody in the shuk, and you walk at, and you come through the shuk, and you're like, did you see that? And they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, it happens all the time. And, 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 and in Hasidus, it talks about if you saw it, it doesn't just mean, oh, you were more perceptive than the other person, but Hashgachapratis meant you would see this. That means you have the ability somehow to help, and therefore you should step into it. Meaning the fact that, you, the fact that of everything that's going on over here, you saw this means that you somehow have the ability to help. And I want to add, if that's true of saving somebody's life physically, how much more is that true to help somebody spiritually? If we see somebody who's drowning or is being attacked by outside forces, they're drowning, you know, the, the, the analogy is so, so clear that we have an obligation to, to step in and help um, if, we're, if, we're, you know, if we're able to help them. I Meaning, if you just say something that's gonna, like, not going to be listened to, that's one thing. But if you see Rashi says you're, you see it and you know that you're able to help them, then there's a certain place where you have to, yes, not take 100%. I'm not... I'm not saying halakhically, obviously if you can't swim, don't go jump into the river, like that's not helpful, but like if there's a way that you can help, then you should totally do something. Shula, give us a mitzvah, chapter and verse. Uh, chapter 19, verse 32. 32. Okay. So in the presence of an old person shall you rise and you shall honor the presence of the sage and you shall revere uh, the God by the chapter. Right, okay, now one of the things that you're gonna find, okay, what do you wanna say about it? Just as interesting or you wanna say something specifically? 31. 32, 32. 32. Nothing. Okay, so, okay, so then I want to, so, okay, it, A, it's amazing. If you ever notice in the buses over here, you, the front seats are marked off for old people, which, by the way, I don't understand why they have the bus, the first seats it's with so the high, high, with the high ledge. I'm like, somebody didn't think this one through, but okay. Like your um, but not quite there. Right. <laughs> something lost in translation a little bit. Okay, so that there is, the, and, and Rashi talks about, you know, any old person or whatever, the host, you know, right, it doesn't matter. But the, the place of, of having respect for an older person, giving them your space, standing up for them, bringing them, Rashi says, what does it mean to revere them, to bring them a drink and stuff like that. And one of the things that I want to point out here, that it finishes off, you should fear Hashem, I am God. And, and, and the, in this Parsha specifically, we're going to have that expression multiple times. I don't know, easily 10 times of fear of I am, I'm Lord your God. And Rashi says that anytime we're talking about something that is up to your intention, it says there, I am Lord your God. If you think you could fool me, you can't. Like, oh, I didn't notice there was an old person on the bus that I should stand up for. I just didn't see them. I didn't, like, who's going to, nobody's going to call you out on it. Mm-hmm. But Hashem's like, I see you. I know what's going on over here. So, yeah, that, a lot of things we have in this partial are going to have Ani Hashem. Go, Orly. I don't have the chapter on verse because I find it in the phone. Okay, but still, it should have it there. What? But 
Okay. Ve'ahta le'yacha kamocha. Is in this week's parsha. It's in today's. It's in actually in today's chumash. Um, it should have a verse there. It should have a number there. Is it nineteen? No, it doesn't say. No, it doesn't say. Huh. It's in today's chumash. So if, if somebody has a chayenu, it's in today's chumash, like in the first couple of psukim. I think it's nineteen eighteen. Nineteen eighteen. Let's see. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. Nineteen, eighteen, chapter nineteen, verse eighteen. Right. If first of all the parsh, the, the pasuk starts off with loti kum velotitar, not to take revenge, and Rashi says, what's the difference between uh, uh, t- uh, nakama and natira? Nakama is like you didn't give this to me. I'm not going to give it to you. It's not pettiness. It's it's uh, yeah, maybe it's pettiness. Yeah. So in he so in Hebrew is called nakama. And, he, and there's another thing, uh, Natira, Tatir, is like, you didn't give this to me, but I'm not going to be like you, and I'm going to give it to you anyway. Right. Well, you're not, you're not holding a grudge because you're giving it to them, but you remembered, you remembered that's the beginning of the Pasuk, and the end of the Pasuk is, and again, we have, Hashem is Hashem, uh, that I'm Hashem, that I know if you're doing it or not, and um, what does Rashi say, I bet all of us can say it, even if you didn't look at the Rashi, this is the fundamental rule of the Torah. Who says it? Oh, Rabbi Akiva. Akiva. It's right here. It's like every time I see something that I know from someplace, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's from the Chomish. Here it is. It's right here in the Chomish. We have to I'm Rabbi Akiva. And really, really, it, it needs no elaboration because it, it literally is our our breath and our ear and it should be our motivation for everything that we do. Elisheva, we just took your mm-hmm. we just took your mitzvah? It's okay. Okay, do you have another one for us? I guess. Good. Chapter and verse. Um, I think it's nineteen ten. Okay, wait. Nineteen ten. Yep. Um, and you must not pick the incompletely formed grape clusters of your vineyard, not nor gather the individual grape fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for Proselytes, I am the Lord your God. Exactly. Very nice. Great one. What's it talking about? We're coming into Eretz Yisrael. We're going to be an agricultural, an agricultural society. And here are the laws within your farmer life of saying it's not all about you. First of all, you're not allowed to strip your field till the end. You have to leave a section of the field. Um, you have to leave. You have to leave stuff for the for the for the poor. Um, and here it's specifically talking about the, of, of leaving gleanings. That means you didn't like strip the vines or whatever till the end and you leave it for the poor people to come and, and come in and take it. There are other agricultural laws that are in this Parsha. We'll pick them up if they don't, uh, if nobody else uh, gets them. Stella, give us a mitzvah. Um, 1914, you shall not hurt the, the death and you shall not face a stumbling block before the end. And the end of that Pasuk is, you should fear Hashem, I fear God, because I'm Hashem. Okay, so interesting thing, um, uh, you know, you're not allowed to curse anybody, right? But the but Torah specifically says not to curse somebody who's deaf, meaning they don't know. They don't know. They can't hear you. I'm not talking about they're reading your lips, but it's, it's the, the place of them not hearing it, um, you're still not allowed to do it. Um, whether it has to do with the impact on you or the impact on them, but that's a specific prohibition, um, which is, I think is, you know, in our spiritual sensitivity training, mm-hmm. I think that's a very powerful thing. Watching the things that come out of our mouth, but they don't know, but they don't hear, it doesn't matter. We still have to be paying attention to how we're talking. The other thing it talks about is not to put a stumbling block in front of the blind, which you, you always think of like, when you read the Pusik, it's like, that sounds just so cruel and mean, like, you know, whatever. And Rashi says it's not actually putting a physical stumbling block in front of the blind person. Rashi says giving bad advice to somebody. If you specifically give bad advice to somebody who's blind in this area, you tell them, sell their, oh, yeah, you should sell your house, and then you kind of swoop it up. That's called putting a stumbling block in front of the blind. Now, obviously, you're also not allowed to put stuff in front of a blind person to drip them. That's but here specifically, that's not what it's actually referring to. Rashi says it's talking about. Rashi talk, says it's talking about giving bad advice to somebody where they're blind in a matter. And again, if it's true in, if it's true in business, if it's true in, 
you know, in, in life, in any area, how much more so is that going to be true in a spiritual sense? Okay? Hannah, give us a mitzvah. Chapter verse. 1919. 1919. You shall observe my decrees. You shall not meet your animal into another species. You shall not plant your field with mixed seed, and a garment that is a mixture of combined fibers shall not come upon you. Okay. So we have the mitzvah of kilayim over here, and it's given to us in three different forms in this pasuk, where there's a fourth fourth form that is not in this pasuk. What's the first one? One is putting animals, harnessing them together so they're uneven working together. I saw a very nice thing that one of the reasons why you can't have like, um, they use the example of like having a donkey and a cow mm-hmm. uh, plowing together is because of tsar b'lachayim, because of pain to an animal, specifically because the cow chews its cud. And the donkey will think, why did he get more food than me? And so that will cause pain, meaning not just the imbalance of weight, but the emotional seeing the cow chewing its cud would be painful to the donkey to see. Right? And isn't it like, like Tara's like that careful, right? Tara's that careful. So that, I thought that was, that was kind of cool. So first of all, we can't put them together. We can't put seeds together. Um, and Rashi says it, it's putting in a, grape, uh, in a grape field, putting wheat and barley in one handful Mm-hmm. Uh, to 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 put them together. There's also prohibition. There's also prohibition against grafting, but this specifically is talking about planting seeds together, like you throw them together. And the third thing that we have here is shotness, mm-hmm. which is weaving uh, wool and linen together. And you know what's the fourth area of kilayim? Is it like crossbreeding animals? It's good. It, that's part of it. it's like under these rubrics okay. over here. But the fourth part of kilayim is. Mixing milk and meat together. Kasha is considered kilayim. You had a co- comment or question? I just had a question actually about mixing seeds, and it's more, I guess, halakha or whatever. But like, you know how like you can buy seed packets that have like wild flowers. They're flowers. They're not fruit. So it's it's, it's, it's specifically for edi- it's, it's specifically for grains, edible grains. That is my understanding. Oh. Um, that's my because it talks about doing uh, wheat and barley. Together in a in a in a vineyard specifically, okay. so I don't know what that means as far as I would imagine that mixed flowers are not an issue. Mm-hmm. I think it also run you run into issues with uh, with kilayim when you if you have like now the whole Mrs. Planter situation, right? Mm-hmm. Like I have like two <laughs> two planters. <laughs> you got to be careful what you put into a planter together, because if the roots are going to end up mis- mixing, it's going to be a problem. Oh boy. This is such a big issue, especially in Israel. It's such a what? Big issue. Yes, it's a big issue. It's a big issue. Yeah, you need to be careful about Shemitah and all like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they still alive? No, they turned into like a new monster. Like, I don't know who put them all together. I don't know. Whatever. Together upstairs, like but, most of, but most of them are not edible. But mine is edible. edible. Yeah, but the mint. You have the mints. Okay. Imagine, but the other two aren't. But, but the other ones are. They're flowers. It's okay to put them in the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you, know, you don't have to lose any sleep over it. I'm just saying it's an so interesting thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're fine. Oh, give, it a, fine. give it some water. The mint is very, very strong, by the way. Okay, Amber, give us a mitzvah, chapter and verse. 1928. 1928. Wait, I didn't get there. Okay. Right, so, so two things over here. First of all, something that we don't understand. You ever hear the expression, pulling out your hair? Right, it comes from a biblical times. People used to pull out their hair and scratch themselves when somebody died. It's a sign of mourning. They would literally cause themselves pain and like cause it. So that's the first thing. You're not allowed to do that because um, we know we talk about the idea that our body is on loan from Hashem, so therefore you're not allowed to, to damage it. And the, uh, the other part of the part, the other part of the pasuk here is not to have tattoos, okay? Not to put a tattoo on, okay? Um, and everybody who's worried about can you be buried in a in a, in a cemetery, take it up with your LOR. I'm sure they figure this one out. Um, 1915. 1915. Exactly. <laughs> um, you must not carry on a corruption of justice. You must not give special consideration and judgment to a poor person, nor give respect and judgment to a great person. You shall judge your fellow man justly. 
Oh, yeah, it's right here. Sorry, I was looking at the wrong passage. Yes, so first of all, it says you're, the, the, these are prohibitions to a judge. First of all, you can't say, this guy's so poor, this is what Rashi says, he's so poor, I'll let him win the case. He'll get, you know, money, like, in a nice, honorable way, and I'll tell the other guy afterwards, oh, you get a mitzvah tzedakah. You can't say, this guy's so rich, how could I, you know, make him wrong? I'll tell him he's right, but then I'll tell him, you know, to fix it up afterwards. Everybody has to be treated... Uh, equally in the, in the eyes of the law. One of the things that the derivatives of this is also the idea that you're not allowed to have one person standing and one person sitting in court. Whatever is going on, everybody's is going on for everybody um, to try to keep the, the checks and balances even. Okay, so we have a couple of mitzvahs. This is very nice. Just clearly, we didn't touch on all the mitzvahs. Um, uh, we're doing great for time. I want to I wanna, uh, give a couple more things. Now, you think I wrote them down, and I know where they are. Did you choose a mitzvah? Oh, I, no, I, was, I was, had a mitzvah that I wanted to find, but I didn't look around. <laughs> right? How terrible is that, right? Um, okay, if you take a look, um, here is where I am, because I'm back to the agricultural stuff. Okay, chapter 19, verse 23. When you come into the land of Israel and you plant a fruit tree, tzigzunt, um, and we have this idea, there's, there's the first three years that you have, that, that the tree is giving fruit, you're not allowed to use it at all. Not Shemitah. This is another one. That was one complication. This is another complication. When your tree finally starts giving fruit, the first three years, you're not allowed to use the fruit at all. Ubishana Haravias in the fourth year, it's holy. You eat it in Yushalayim. Ubishana Hachamishis, and in the fifth year, it's all yours to eat. Okay, do whatever you want with it. I am the Lord your God. Okay, so uh, a couple of things. Huh? What? About oh, yeah, good. Then we're going to skip it. Okay, I want to just say one thing about it because it's not the halacha part of it. I want to talk about the Hasidus for it for a second. If he, tell, he, got, he gave you the Hasidus, then just tell me. <laughs> Basically, what's the situation? The first three years, you're not allowed to use it. The fourth year, you could eat it in your Shalayim. You're also allowed to exchange it for money, so have like a big party, only in your Shalayim. And then the fifth year, it's like all yours. Rashi says like there's sort of this, this, this um, uh, a grace given to the person that they... There's like this bracha said that in the fifth year you'll have a lot of produce. It'll be great because like it's hard. Four years you just don't use your, your, your produce. And then so like there's a payback. Hasidah says that we have different levels of holiness. And the first three years refer to the first three, the first, the, you know, different uh, atzilas, bria and yitzira. Um, and those are where there is a possibility. No, I'm going, I'm going backwards. Forget about that. The first three, take that out. I don't remember which, way, which direction it's going in. I want to go backwards. Um, so the first three years, there is a possibility for, it, it, it's not yours. You, you can't elevate it. It's like the, the, the highest level of kind of klipa. You can't do anything with it. So the holiness is that we don't touch it. We destroy it for those three years. The fourth year, now this is holy fruit. Holy fruit, we take to Yushalayim, we have a party, we eat there. The fifth year, who cares about the fifth year? Why does there have to mention the fifth year at all? And, and Hasidus talks about the idea, what is the ultimate past holy? Making your life and your day-to-day special. That means when we take this fruit, that we now can do whatever we want with it. We can do whatever we want with it. We could buy it, sell it, da 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 When we use it in a way that is our lives become holy. It's not holy that it could only be eaten in your life. It's regular fruit, right? Just regular fruit. We're going to make a bracha on it. We're in Israel. We'll take trubas and maestras and we'll do all this kind of stuff with it, right? All this stuff. But the, the regular place of our life 
is um, is the is where the real holiness happens. Meaning the holy, you can only touch it in this space. That's fourth year. The first three years you can't touch it. The fourth year only in Yerushalayim. Which parenthetically, if you're wondering why Yerushalayim has an extreme number of people who seem to be collecting stuff here, it's because people were always coming to Yerushalayim with stuff that had to be eaten in Yerushalayim. Mm. So they always knew there was a place to get it. There was if you're eating carbonized. There's also in, in this partial we have. The idea of if you bring a carbon shlomim, if you bring a, a sacrifice and you can only eat it for two days, you're not allowed to say, I'm going to eat it. I mean, there was always somebody who had stuff that had to be eaten in your shalayim. So we got lots of people around who are still having that trace memory of there's lots of stuff to do in your shalayim. Um, uh, I distracted myself and I forgot where I was, where I was going with this. Where's the real holiness? Not the holiness that's separate and divided and on the side. But in our lives, in our everyday experiences, in our everyday lives, are we bringing Hashem into our lives over here? That's where the real question is. And that's what's going on. And that's why the fifth year gets mentioned. Because the fifth year, what's special about the fifth year? The fifth year is like, this is when we live our lives as Jews and we incorporate things. It's not off limits. It's not only your shalim, but how do we do it in our space and in this, in this kind of situation over here as well? Okay, parenthetically, we also learn from here we learn the idea of upshernish. So the boys who have an upshernish is based on these. The parallel between pers- a person is like a tree in the field, and just like the first three years, you're not allowed to use it. In this parsha, we also have the mitzvah of not cutting the corners of your beard. Thank God that's not our issue right now. It's only for men? Yes. Oh. You don't have a face. No, no, no. It's 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 all it's all it's five points. Oh, it's the five points that you're not supposed to be cutting. So we have that that prohibition is also in this parsha, and um, so we have the upshernish, the mitzvah of upshernish, which is keeping the hair and then cutting in the first year having pay and leaving the payas. That's the first mitzvah that they get. That's also. What do you do with the hair after? <laughs> <laughs> um. Um, my aunt actually has had a bunch, her kids are all blonde and she, when her daughter, her one daughter went to have her shaitel made and she brought all the hair because they use it for like baby hairs in the shaitel and the shaitel Lacha was very excited and wanted to know she could buy it all and she wasn't selling it, but yeah, like that's. Why did she bring it then? For her daughter's shaitel. Could you use any, are any of these colors good to be incorporated into her shaitel? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it is what it is. It's not holy. It's not holy. Yeah. Okay. The uh, seder. Okay. Um, I wanted to talk about another mitzvah that's over here, um, and then I want to wrap it up a little bit. Okay. Um, so we have more mitzvahs of of planting. Hum, hum, hum. You think I marked down where I want this? Somebody can help me. There's a, there is, it's, it's actually in today's chitas also. Um, okay. First of all, I'm just, as I'm, as I'm looking here, I'm also, it's, I'm just passing it. It's in chapter 19, verse 17, talks about not hating your brother in your heart. Um, to give rebuke. That means it doesn't mean that we just say it's all okay. We just say uh, we need to... Not, not keep it in our heart. We need to like speak to them and rebuke them for the things that they've hurt us with. Um, there is a tzigazunt. There is um, there is a prohibition, and if somebody wants to help me find it, about having unjust weights and measures. Oh, I just found it. Chapter nineteen, verse thirty-six. Okay, it talks about that you should have just weights and measures. And, and it uses different um, units of measurement. And it talk, talks about, I am the Lord your God who took you out of the land of Egypt. Okay? Now, it's an interesting thing about this. An uh, uh, interesting thing about this prohibition is that the prohibition isn't to use the, the scales. It isn't. The, the, prohibition, the, the prohibition starts from owning a scale that is inaccurate. And I'm not talking about the ones that we use to weigh ourselves and we kid ourselves and say, it's not so bad. Not talking about those scales. But in business, when you, when you um, have, when you own, the prohibition begins when you own a scale that is, that is inaccurate, that 
You know, and it's in, what's interesting, two things that are interesting. First of all, it's interesting that Tyra talks about such a subtlety of weight when it wasn't even possible back in the day to get to get the to get so, such a such a such a such finesse. The, the the halacha is that if you have a scale, generally speaking, for stealing, if you steal something that's le- less than the smallest coin, the value of the smallest coin of the country, so for example, less than a penny or less than five agro, whatever, it's not considered stealing. For a, a scale that's unjust, if it even is less than the smallest value, you're 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 high of you. You have you're you're it's it's a prohibition already for you not to use it to own a scale that is inaccurate, less than the smallest coin of the country. So back in the day, who could get such an accurate scale? But today we can. Um, and one of the things that they talk about, the Mepharshim talk about, why is this like so terrible? It's not that when you use it, okay, we understand you use it, that owning the scales themselves is already like terrible. Um, and they talk about, a lot of the Mepharshim talk about the idea because you're pretending to be honest. I have a scale, I'm weighing your fruit, but I'm really messing with your head because the scales aren't accurate. I've, I've rigged the scales to whatever degree that they're not accurate. So I'm pretending to, to be so kosher. I, I, look, I did it, and, and I, I, I want to, it's not in this parsha, but I just, I, you know, when we talk about what is the most non-kosher animal you could possibly think of, what do we always think of? A pig, right? Now, he's not any more unkosher than any of the other unkosher animals. It's the appearance on the outside. Because he says, look, I'm kosher, I'm kosher, I'm kosher, and he's really not. Mm-hmm. And, the, and I think Torah is highlighting that place for us again. This is my take, so you don't have to, you know, you don't have to buy my channel, but um, uh, what are we portraying and what are we actually? Because if we aren't... Uh, if we aren't to the best of our ability doing the best that we can, then there's something, the, the portrayal, you know, like that dissonance of we're, we're making ourselves like such Rebbitson, but we're really not, that's, that's really where it's sort of very, very off. Entire looks at it very off. Um, so I want to I say, uh, I want to share something that Rav Steinsaltz taught. So Rav Steinsaltz talks about the idea, he's not the only one, but I saw it in his name. Look at this Parsha. It's called Kedoshim. You should be holy. Have you taken a look at what's going on in this Parsha? These are not like holy, holy roller stuff. Don't cheat. Don't lie. Be kind to your neighbors. Like, this is holy? This is holiness? And what's very interesting is that when you look at the two Torah portions together, when you look at Achrimos and Kedoshim together, Achrimos, that is holy stuff going into the Holy of Holies and bringing the Ketores. That's holy stuff. Parsh's Kedoshin. You mean I get to be an awesome person because I didn't trip the blind guy? Like, that's, that's the level that we're going down to? Like, that's holy? How is that holy? And the whole Parsha is introduced by saying we should be holy because Hashem is holy. And Rosh talks about the idea of the difference between like the heavenly version and the earthly version of, the, of life. And here we really see them reflected in each other. In the heavenly version, going into the, going into the Holy of Holies and bringing Ketores and fasting and all that, that's holy behavior. But when you talk about life as we live it, what is holy? Holy is not tripping the blind guy, giving tzedakah, having, you know, honest weights and measures, all of those things. And I think we look around today and, and this, you know, Rosh Steinzel's point was like, you look around today and today when we talk about who are the good people, they're doing like normal, their, their behavior is normal. And today it gets a status of tzaddik because they aren't being terrible. You know, we talk about, we talk about these things and, 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 Rashidul says, yes, in real lived Judaism, holiness is in the daily routine. Holiness is in the what we do here, how we reflect with each other, how we interact with each other. Um, and that is really where holiness is. I want to say, bring out one more one more prohibition that's here. It's listed once in Ahre, it's listed again in, 
in Kedoshim, and it's listed another at least two or three times in the Torah that I can think of off the top of my head. There's a prohibition about, against giving your children to Molech. There was a, there was, Molech was, a, was, a, was an idol. There was an idol. What? No, what? Just, we were reading it. We read the Parsha in the park, and we were like, what is this? Right? Yeah, what? It's, it's, very it's very confusing, right? So first of all, I don't know. Okay, so first of all, um, you know that space outside the old city? If you ever take the bus from the, from the hotel out, yeah. and there's like a valley over there between the cinema... The, between, the right, that's called Gehinom. That's the valley. That's where yeah, they used to know. do that. Gehinom, that's where they actually used to do the service uh, for Molech. And what the service... Oh. Okay, just in case you're wondering if it really happened. There's a whole conversation about what was they the service. They killed children there. Okay, there's, so, there's, so there's a machloikas. There's a... One second. One second. No, I don't know. I don't know. So, I don't know. One second. So, um, so, okay, so the service, so the service of Molech was where a p- parents would bring a child and they would pass them through fire to this, to this idol called Molech. And, and they would say, like, it depends, there was like, it was, it was described as, um, uh, like an animal, but with open arms and depending on what kind of sacrifice you brought would be how close you could come and the child was the most holy, and it could like go in and sort of kiss the molech. Um, there's a there's a conversation amongst the commentaries. Were the children killed or only scarred for life? There's like a whole. It's not so clear what was going on. I mean, you know, and they used to have drums beating, so you couldn't you wouldn't hear the kids crying. There's it's like witchcraft. It's 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 very witchcraft is is, is prohibited. And, no, no, witchcraft is prohibited in this part also. But but um, but I I want to molech always fascinated me. I don't, you know, like, maybe because it's like, as a parent, you like, you would do anything for your children. But I think that the, it, and again, like, when you look into what the service of Molech was, it's unclear, were they, were there two pillars of fire and the kids walked between them? Were they killed? Were they sent, like, sort of like on a conveyor belt? No matter how you talk about it, it's definitely going to be a scarring experience. Um, and, and, and yet, the, some of the Mepharshim talk about the idea that the parents were convinced by the priests of Molech that this was the way to save your child. This was the way to help them and to get them to their best, you know, to, to their best self. Um, and, and I think, I think, and this is Rifka Marga on a bandwagon, on a bandbox. Soapbox. Soapbox, thank you. I'm up on my soapbox for a second. And I think that the place that we do things to our children and we say we need to feed them into the God of whatever is going to make their life the best for them. Um, you know, there was spoke years ago, like in the early, like in the, in the 50s and the 60s, about people who were worried about which kindergarten their children were going to go to so that they would get into the right, you know, so that they would be able to earn parnasa, that they would be able to have a livelihood. How are they going to manage if they don't get it? You messed it up already. They got into the wrong kindergarten and their whole life is ruined. Mm-hmm. That is our modern day molech. Our modern-day Moloch is saying that they have to have, if they don't have this backpack to go to school, if they don't have, the, they don't have these, whatever, we, we, we look around us, we're still feeding our children to Moloch. We're still fe- feeding our children to things that will end up consuming them, whether they did or didn't get killed, but I'm just going with the nth degree over here. We're feeding our children, we're feeding ourselves to Moloch and saying this is what's going to bring us to happiness and to prosperity and to a good life. And I want to, you know, make the plug and the plea that we take a deep breath and we back up and we stop and we look at what we're involved in and we say, is this Molech or is this God? Lahavdil. Are we, is what we're doing, is what we're chasing, is what we're engaging, is what, is what we're giving our lifeblood to godliness or is it, God forbid, the other? And it's subtle. Sometimes, like, listen, Molech is not subtle. <laughs> Molech as an Avodazar is not subtle. It's like, whatever. But I think that our versions of Molech are more subtle. And sometimes we could be living, you know, Shabbos kosher lives, and we're still somehow uh, feeding our children into... I'm off my, ba- I'm off my soapbox now, so uh, you can take it or leave it. Um, so, so, yeah, so these are all... These are some of the mitzvahs that we have in Parshish Kedoshim. And I want to finish with a thought and with a bracha. Because um, Kedoshim means, we always know Kedoshim means holy, but Kedoshim also means separate. 
Um, kadosh means to separate. Uh, uh, the Hebrew, the, the biblical word, word for prostitute is a kadesha, uh, somebody who's separated for a purpose. So, also, that's also a word, but zona and kadesha are, are words that they use for prostitute. Kadosh means to be separate, and um, and the place it started, the, the parts, the, the parsha, this part of the parsha, the second half of the parsha starts off to speak to the Jewish people. Kedoshim tihiyu, you should be holy. Ki kadosh ani Hashem alkechem, because I Hashem am holy. Um, and 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 then when you look at the parsha, and you see it, it is it's separating behavior. It's fine tuning our attitude. It's fine tuning the way we behave and who we think is watching us and what we're gonna do. But the biggest thing that that I I I feel and there's a lot of there's a lot a lot of mitzvahs here and. and do this and don't do that and da da da. But if we zoom out for a second, when we say when Hashem says to us, "Be holy because I am holy," that's a different question. Yes, we did lots of mitzvahs, but the different the question of "Be holy because I am holy." The way I see it through the lens of Hasidus is where we say to ourselves, "This is something I could do." We're starting with a premise, this is something that I could do, and the question that we have to ask ourselves is, should I do it? I'm not talking about doing something that's not kosher, and I'm not talking about something that's prohibited, but the question that I need to ask myself, and this is a question we have to ask ourselves all the time, is this going to bring me closer to Hashem or not? Because the question of kedoshim is not, are you doing the right thing or are you doing the wrong thing? That's not what the question of Kadosh is. When we talk about being separate and close to Hashem, emulating Hashem, being holy because Hashem is holy, we're not talking about eating a cheeseburger on Yom Kippur. We're not talking about that. We're saying within our Jewish religious behavior, within our permitted behavior, is this bringing me closer to Hashem or is this bringing me further from Hashem? And my bracha to all of us is that we should, we're now, we're finished three weeks of the Omer, we're finished, we're finishing the week of Tiferes this week, uh, today, and um, I want to give us all a bracha, and I know I probably say it a hundred times, but it, maybe because it's, it's where I struggle, I want to give us a bracha for clarity and for courage. Clarity to be able to say, this is what I want to do, and courage to actually be able to do it. Where our, our mandate here today is not just to live our lives tra-la-la and whoever dies with the most mitzvahs wins. That's not what we're talking about over here. We're, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, we're on a journey. We're, trying to, we're involved in a relationship with Hashem. And the question that we need to be courageous enough to ask is, is my behavior bringing me closer to Hashem or not? And I, I really, I want to give us, like I say, I want to give all of us that bracha for clarity to be able to look at our behavior and say, this is one thing that I want to fine-tune and then courage to actually do it. Have an awesome rest of the week. I had a great uh, Shabbos. Yay.